It's time to take the quiz. Five questions, five minutes a day, five days a week. Take the quiz every weekday at thequiz.fox and then listen to the quiz podcast to find out how you did. Play, share, and of course, listen to the quiz at thequiz.fox. I'm Greg Gutfeld. I'm Martha McCallum. I'm Brett Baer, and this is the Fox News Rundown. November 17, 2023. I'm Jessica Rosenthal. The Biden administration hopes tensions have eased with China. We averted a government shutdown, but several Republicans still aren't happy. And the latest Fox News polls are out, showing the president having a tougher time against leading Republican candidates. Even in those swing states with the New York Times-Siena college polls just a couple of weeks ago, yeah. in those swing states, Trump was beating Biden head to head. We speak with Fox News Sunday host Shannon Breen. I'm Chris Foster. President Biden says China's president agrees to help stop the flow of fentanyl into the United States. To me, when you have a fake pill and you pressed it and you knew what you were doing, to me, that that was waging war on the United States, to tell you the truth. And I'm Jason Rant. I've got the final word on the Fox News Rundown. This week, President Biden met with China's president at APEC in San Francisco. It was their first face-to-face meeting in over a year and came after a tense time, including a spy balloon and what our Pentagon has called aggressive maneuvers by Chinese aircraft and ships in and over the South China Sea. But the president said the two sides made progress. We're reassuming military-to-military contacts, direct contacts. As a lot of you press know, follow this That's been cut off and it's been very worrisome. That's how accidents happen, misunderstandings. Despite the progress he insisted was made on several fronts, the president was also asked if he still would call Xi Jinping a dictator. Well, look, he is. I mean, he's a dictator in the sense that he he is a guy who runs a country that is a communist country based on China's foreign ministry called that erroneous. Still, after their meeting, Xi said this. China is ready to be a partner and friend of the United States. The fundamental principles that we follow in handling China-U.S. relations are mutual respect, peaceful coexistence, and win-win cooperation. And as the meeting wrapped up, the latest Fox News polls came out, finding the president with a low 40% approval rating. In hypothetical matchups, former President Trump beats Biden by four points. Florida Governor Ron DeSantis beats him by five. And former South Carolina Governor and U.S. Ambassador to the U.N. Nikki Haley beats him by 11. There's unrest. I mean, you have obviously engagements in the Ukraine, obviously Israel. uh, And People really want gas prices to continue to go down, inflation continue to go down, and it's trending in the right direction, but people necessarily aren't feeling it. Former Pennsylvania Democratic Congressman Pat Murphy told Fox's Harris Faulkner the election's still a year away and that heading into an election against Mitt Romney, Barack Obama had similar approval ratings. But this Fox poll also found former President Trump's gains over President Biden since 2020 include 21 points up with independents, 15 points with black voters, and 13 points with Hispanic voters. When you really dug into specific issues on how people think uh, the president is doing, um, you know, Iran caught my eye because 70% of Americans that we surveyed said he's too accommodating. Shannon Bream is the host of Fox News Sunday. 
And this is something that the administration has said, we're pushing back against these strikes on our troops in the region. We're doing all these you know, different things with sanctions and stuff. But critics are out there saying, actually, you're not doing everything you could with sanctions. There are tens of billions of dollars in oil money that's flowing to Iran and has over recent years. So listen, this is on both sides of the aisle. People think that this administration needs to get tougher on Iran, especially in light of what's happening in the Middle East. Yeah, that was a fascinating exchange right at the State Department, that one reporter saying, do you like this argument over money being fungible what do you make everybody of that? gets that you know, what do you <laughs> everybody... what do you make of that because and my question is you know you hear the state department spokesman say well this is only for a certain purpose and iran mm-hmm. can't use it they, they can't just and and the reporter was saying back but if you have money for one thing that frees up money for another mm-hmm. thing like where's the disconnect well and it seemed to be that the state department was almost suggesting, well, listen, we know they're going to do bad stuff anyway. So we might as well try to get some good stuff in there for their people, which we all have real doubts that the money that we want to flow to the Iranian people who are oppressed and over the last couple of years have really tried to push back. They obviously have limits with how much power they're going to have to do that kind of thing. So we want to help those folks. Um, But I almost got sort of a sense of resignation from State Department, like they're going to do bad stuff. So we're just going to try to make sure that we do good stuff on top of their bad stuff. Yeah, then no, I think that's, I I gleaned that too, I feel like. Um, In the polling data, so we have 40% approval rating for the president, but Mm -hmm. when we went deeper on that, it looks like the president would lose to former President Trump by five points right now, but would lose to Nikki Haley by 11. And that's a pretty intense number, but it I wonder if it matters with Trump's popularity with the Republican Party, because I I know you see what I see. People who love Trump call Nikki Haley a neocon. I mean, they have very strong feelings against her. So is the Republican Party sort of not interested, even if it could mean a win? Well, the thing is, you know, the the argument from Nikki Haley's campaign and others early on was President Trump's not electable. There's this electability question. Right. We do much better head to head against President Biden than he would. Well, now that there are polls showing that he is and you listen, you and I both know national polls are very tricky because yeah. it is a, a handful of swing states that are going to decide this whole thing. And I think those are better measures. But even in those swing states with the New York Times, Siena college polls, just a couple of weeks ago in those swing states trump was beating biden head to head and so it takes a little bit of the electability argument away from some of the others like desantis and haley but she does consistently do best against president biden there was an article earlier this year that said she's the one that worries the white house the most but you're right president trump is at 62 percent within the gop party so i don't know how when you're down by 30 40 50 points you turn that around, especially because, as you note, um, you know, a lot of Trump supporters are not Haley fans. Yeah. So let's let's pivot over to the West Coast um, because the president met with China's president, Xi Jinping, in San Francisco at APEC this week. This was the highly anticipated first meeting in over a year. And since the tensions really soared, sorry to use the be cliche with that after the spy balloon incident. But I wonder what you thought of this meeting. It sounded like he said, okay, we're going to have better communication. Our -hmm. militaries are going to be able to talk. We're going to work on fentanyl and AI together. What do you think came out of this? 
I mean, all of that sounds really good and positive, <laughs> but the enforcement and the teeth in these things are always the difficulty with China. We think about climate change. This administration and the president talked about climate change is the huge existential biggest threat. We have to work on that. Well, China has not been a good actor by most accounts, you know, with continuing to open coal plants and all of these other things that climate activists will argue are bad for the environment. So whether they can be a reliable partner on the fentanyl stuff, I don't know. That was one of the first top lines that came out of the meeting was that um, there was going to be a crackdown on the chemical manufacturers who put together the precursors to fentanyl, that there's going to be this U.S.-China Drug Action Workforce Committee. I mean, all of those things sound good, but it's going to really bubble down to is there enforcement? Is China serious about this? You know, you also have China coming out of the meeting and their account of what was happening through Chinese state media was we told them to stop arming Taiwan and to let us peacefully reintegrate. Now, that is something that the White House is not going to agree with them on. So clearly there were points of contention, but it seemed like coming out, everybody wanted to be very kumbaya. Where that goes remains to be seen. Well, and then the day after, right, the Chinese foreign ministry spokesperson said on Twitter or X, the U.S. should take real actions to honor its commitment of not supporting Taiwan independence. And she said this is unstoppable. To your point, it sounds like whatever the kumbaya moment could have been, it, it got blown up a little bit afterwards. So so mm-hmm. there's certainly priorities that we, we aren't necessarily told about. Like when the president was asked at the press conference about Taiwan, he gave it like an 18 second answer. He said, we we understand the one China policy. That's that's where we're at. And that's it. Mm hmm. Yeah. Where when China's giving these readouts, like we told them to get their hands off of it and stop sending them weapons, which I would note, though, Taiwan has ordered a lot of weaponry from us over the last two or three years. We have millions, probably billions at this point of unfilled contracts for them because we don't have it to give to them because we're so depleted. And a lot of what we had, you know, was going to Ukraine. And now that's split with Israel. And Taiwan is still waiting there. They do have different weapons that they've requested and ordered from us. But those orders are now years old and they're waiting and they know that they are in a very dire situation over there. So, you know, China can say stop uh, arming them, but we sort of have just in a de facto kind of way. Not not because we wanted to. We just can't seem to produce. Mm -hmm. Um, So uh, let's go back to D.C. We have a continuing resolution. Does Speaker Johnson pay a price now for relying on Democrats to get temporary government funding through? Or was this like an okay? We're going to let you do this. We're going to let you have your moment. Mm-hmm. Um, but we do expect deep spending cuts to be fought for mm-hmm. between now and January and February when the CR runs out. Yeah, I think they're giving him a bit of an extended honeymoon for a couple of reasons. First of all, they knew how bad a look it was for the GOP spending weeks trying to get a new speaker. I don't think they're anxious to do that again right now. When we get to these two different shutdown possibilities in January and in February, since they have clumped these expirations of funding together, we're still going to have all these same problems. You know, you've got people out there like Senator John Kennedy saying we should be working nights and weekends. Why are we not doing that? Because everybody's going to have a nice Thanksgiving. Not a whole lot's going to get done between Christmas and, you know, you'll have Hanukkah and other holidays that people will be in and out and family time and obligations. And we're going to wake up in January and be like, okay, we have no appropriations bills ready to go. Well, maybe they'll come back, you know, um, ready to work and refreshed. It sounds like they may okay, need a, a I like break. Okay, I like that you were thinking positive. <laughs> they, 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 it sound, well, it sounds like they might need a break, Shannon, because 
as you know, we've we've had reports of, of former Speaker McCarthy. What is it like elbow checking? Oh boy! Another congressman in, in a hallway, mm-hmm. and and another congressman then said he that McCarthy had done that before to him. And then we've got Oklahoma Senator Mullen. He had to be calmed down by Senator Bernie Sanders when he I got mean, him to try and fight the head of the Teamsters Union. It, what's happening? Oh, boy. Okay, wait. Let's actually play for everybody Senator Mullen here. You want to run your mouth? We can be two consenting adults. We can finish it here. Okay, that's fine. Perfect. You want to do it now? I'd love to do it right now. Well, stand your butt up then. You stand your butt up. Oh, hold on. Oh, oh, stop it. Is that your right. solution? Every problem. Well, as you know, as in much of America, hopefully this is not going to be a Thanksgiving tables. But political right. conversations are very divided right now, very dicey right now. And um, Washington is certainly no exception. It is why Gallup's most recent um, congressional approval rating was 13 percent, because Oof. people at home know we cannot run our budgets and our lives the way that Congress does. Well, finally, Shannon, I, we know you, you covered the Supreme Court mm-hmm. Um They've got a new ethics, I guess, guideline situation mm-hmm. that they've unveiled. I, I keep reading that um, people are saying this is uh, worthless. There's no teeth. There's no mechanism to hold anyone accountable. Mm-hmm. But why are we even talking about an ethics guidelines for the Supreme Court? This was about what Republicans paying for trips for Justices Thomas and Alito, right? And they were there. There was some worry that they could be influenced. Is that is that what this is at the crux? Is that at the well, crux of this? I think that's kind of the headline. But what happens is um, there are other justices who are appointed by Democratic presidents who've also had questions about their financial disclosures. You know, Justice Sotomayor, there was the reporting earlier this year, allegations that her team or staff or somebody along the way was mandating that certain colleges and libraries buy a certain number of her books before she would show up to speak. I mean, there are all kinds of allegations out there. So it's not a new conversation. What feels new is it seems very directed at very specific justices right now. Yeah. And remember earlier this year, the Senate Judiciary Committee, led by Democrats, of course, said, hello, Mr. Chief Justice, we would like for you to come and testify about all the ethical lapses on your court. He was like, thank you, but no, thank you. Here's my letter. <laughs> and it's signed by all nine justices. These are the obligations we already have for financial disclosure forms and all these kinds of things. It's not as if we have no guardrails on what we're doing up here. So the nine of them have really stuck together to say we are our own independent branch. You're not going to tell us what to do. And I can tell you from talking with folks over at the court, it's not just one side of the bench or the other. There are numerous justices over there who feel like this has been a very calculated effort to undermine the integrity of the court. I mean, it's not good for the country if people don't trust the Supreme Court. So there's a feeling over there that this is maybe the current attempts to go at the court are partisan, but they're eventually going to be potentially damaging for everyone's interest as an American. So they've again stayed united in putting out this ethics um, code this week. But there is a lot of self-policing kind of honor system there that critics, yeah, will say, well, who enforces it? Because there were proposals from some Senate Democrats, things like we, we want an outside board where people can file ethics complaints and then they would actually try the cases against the, the justices. That is not in this framework. Well, when you have a nine to zero ruling, you know, you got to pay unanimous. There you go. <laughs> uh, Fox News Sunday host Shannon Bream, thank you so much for joining Thank you, Jessica. Hey, folks, it's your man, Keyshawn Johnson, here to talk about Angie, formerly known as Angie's List, your go-to home services, marketplace for getting all your jobs done well. Now you might be wondering, what exactly is Angie? Well, let me tell you. 
It's the nation's largest home services marketplace, connecting over 150 million homeowners with skilled professionals to tackle any project, big or small. As a homeowner myself, I always have things I want to work on for my house, whether it's general home renovations or fun projects like putting in a pool. With over 200,000 pros in their network, Angie makes it a breeze to research, compare, and hire pros, ensuring every job is done well. Whether you're fixing a leaky faucet or planning a full kitchen renovation, Angie's got your back. And get this, folks. Angie's pros aren't just any old contractors. They're your neighbors, often running small businesses right in your community. Plus, they've been rated and reviewed by others in your area. So you know you're getting quality service. So why stress over home projects when you can turn to Angie? From finding the best price to scheduling a pro at your convenience, Angie's got you covered every step of the way. So get started today at Angie.com. That's Angie.com or download the app today to get started on getting all your jobs done. That's Angie, your trusted ally in home services. This is Jason Rance with your Fox News commentary coming up. President Biden's meeting in California with China's President Xi Jinping ended with an agreement for Xi to crack down on China's fentanyl production and exports. We're taking action to significantly reduce the flow of precursor chemicals and pill presses from China to the Western Hemisphere. It's going to save lives, and I appreciate President Xi's commitment on this issue. President Xi and I tasked our teams to maintain a policy and law enforcement coordination going forward to make sure it works. The Centers for Disease Control and Prevention says fentanyl and other synthetic opioids may have resulted in more than 77,000 overdose deaths in the U.S. between just May 2022 and April 2023. Lisa Dean says the deal with China doesn't do nearly enough. No, not one bit. I don't even know if it was an effort. Mm -hmm. Uh, To me, listening to the press conference, the reporter said, how can we, something about trust and validation. Mm -hmm. And Joe Biden didn't answer that question. She lost her son to a fentanyl overdose and started with her husband, Peter, and other son, Michael, an organization to fight drug trafficking in Connecticut. So without trust and validation, what kind of deal is it? I wouldn't call it a deal. I'd call it an abject fail, to tell you the truth. Uh, President Xi has said all along, and I don't know that he's corrected himself on this. He said, look, this isn't this isn't anything that we're responsible for. He likes to throw that around mm-hmm. and blame our demand mm-hmm. on what's going on. And there is a demand and no one can doubt it. But the problem is that we have a poison now. Mm-hmm. My son died almost the old-fashioned way. He became a heroin addict after he was addicted to Percocet mm-hmm. and Oxys. Um, he died of a, a fentanyl poisoning. Did he ask for the fentanyl? I don't know at that point. Dealers were pushing fentanyl hard uh, during those days. Now... We have kids taking a pill for the very first right. time and dropping dead. And to me, when you have a fake pill and you pressed it and you knew what you were doing, to me, that that was waging war on the United States, to tell you the truth. Well, let's go back almost five years now. Let's mm-hmm. talk about Joe, because this is a little bit it's a little bit of a different situation. You were you couldn't be expected to be on top of him all the time. He was a an adult, a young adult, but he was an adult. Right. So just talk about, you know, who he was and and, and how he came to this end. He was as average of a kid mm-hmm. as you can get. Maybe uh, he was an incredible athlete. Lots of friends, a girlfriend, loving family, the whole nine yards. A um, couple times he would come home and we thought he, he was drinking. Mm-hmm. He constantly was getting his phone taken away and grounded. And that went on and on. 
who would ever think that our kid would take drugs? Mm -hmm. That did not compute. And we didn't know anything about it. Yeah. When was, how old was he when he started doing more than drinking? Uh, probably 14. Wow. Okay. Somewhere around there, 14, 15 years old. That unfortunately spiraled mm -hmm. uh, until he was onto the oxys. Mm -hmm. And when those dried up or he didn't have any money for it, he yeah. went on to heroin. Well, and if you, if you ever told me, hey, you mm -hmm. know what, your kid's going to stick a needle in his arm one of these days, mm -hmm. I would have laughed in your face. Yeah. But it happened. By the time it did happen, um, were you in a period of relief where you thought, okay, maybe he's past this? Or was it, were you always waiting for this phone call at that point? At that point, I was waiting for the phone call. I remember doing laundry one night and thinking, oh, I got to do the laundry. And then I, I said to myself, don't complain because someday you won't be doing his laundry. Yeah. I do remember that. Yeah. We'll talk about Demand Zero and the organization um, that you started. Right after Joe went away, we always thought, what if Joe was sober for months mm -hmm. before he was triggered, um, went to the city of New Haven, Connecticut, and found drugs and um, died within about a half an hour of leaving home. Um, Demand Zero was created because we thought, what if he had had more time to figure it out? Mm -hmm. What if he said, oh, geez, I can't find anything? Um, so... We formed a nonprofit, and what we do mm -hmm. is we provide resources for law enforcement mm -hmm. to fight drug trafficking in our area along the shoreline. And then that turned into a, a, a statewide effort. We also mm -hmm. um, have gone into education and awareness programs. What have you learned since about how fentanyl is produced, where it comes from, how it gets distributed here? Well... By starting the nonprofit, I got mm -hmm. to know some DEA people. Mm -hmm. uh, one was John Delina, who now is uh, is down in, in uh, Washington, D.C., with our administrator. John taught me about what's going on and where these ingredients, these precursors were coming through, and that the Chinese and the uh, Mexican cartels were behind this national security crisis. And mm -hmm. um, early on, I became uh, friends with Derek Maltz Sr., who I'm, I'm sure you know, he's been on Fox so many times and is an advocate and a warrior for the cause. Mm -hmm. So he's a, he's a mentor of mine. I learn from these people. The more we know, the more we know, the more we do not sugarcoat things and the mm -hmm. more we don't exaggerate things because we lose the audience if we exaggerate. Um, yeah. Uh, to that end, you, I'm sure you've seen these videos of occasionally you'll see um, a police officer or someone, you know, touching or getting in the vicinity of, of fentanyl and going into convulsions. Uh, I've talked to doctors who said, look, I don't know what that is. It doesn't happen. Mm -hmm. um, do you know what I'm talking about? Like, I sure do. Yeah. Do you have anything to say about it? I sure do. Well, I mean, we've all seen the videos mm -hmm. of officers going down and whether it's a panic attack or not, I, I don't know. Right. But what I do know is that it is odorless, it's tasteless, it's water soluble, and people have, without being addicted to drugs, have died because of it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. We have seven babies that died in the state of Connecticut. They weren't doing drugs. Right. They were exposed to it. Um, how do you feel about Narcan being distributed to uh, to reverse overdoses, uh, Narcan being distributed so widely now, and then other things like safe injection sites where people can um, can use under supervision? Um, sure. There's an argument that says, look, that if not encourages the use, it, it, it normalizes it in a way that we don't want. Yeah. 
Um, harm reduction is not our thing. Mm. I don't believe. Um, I I don't believe in fentanyl strips. Uh, I I can't see where anyone could possibly test all their supply. <laughs> Safe injection sites I think are absurd. Mm. I can't imagine taxpayers paying for someone to watch their loved one yeah. stick deadly narcotics in their arm. Now, have they saved lives? Yeah, probably. But no one can tell me you can quantify that. Right. No one. Um, because I don't know what happens to them when they're out the door. Yeah. And don't forget, as we all know, drug addicts need more and more drugs during the day. It's not like they, you know, one and done. I don't believe in safe injection sites, and I'm going to fight them. Uh, we're, they're thinking about putting in some harm reduction centers in New Haven, Connecticut, I, 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 and and others will will fight that. Yeah, you're more you're more interested in just keeping it, stop stopping it, nipping it in the bud, I guess. That's than you, right. Than you are taking care of it. Prevention, prevention yeah. is what we need. Yeah. We need more beds. Mm-hmm. Right. Uh, you mean to, to get people into treatment who Ex- want it? And exactly. Need it, yeah. And and these centers say they will do that, but they're not going to do it for everyone that comes in. It's an absurd notion mm-hmm. to me. The whole thing. Uh, I've spoken to, spoken to other parents who've lost their kids in the same way. Um, and it always strikes me, I'm, you know, I'm thankfully not in that position, hopefully never will be. Um, what do you think is in you and in those other parents that, that made you do, become an activist instead of just curling up and, and going away? I can speak for myself mm-hmm. and it saved my life. Mm-hmm. Advocacy. I can tell you because I would have curled up. Um, you know, you want to die after you lose a child. It's torture every single day. Um, it gets worse near the holidays, I can tell you. Mm. Um, the the mere thought of someone having to go through, I hardly know you. Mm. The thought of you having to lose someone to this scourge that we can control up to a point. No one's going to tell me that we can't. I can't. I can't bear that. And that's why I think, you know, we had over 500 uh, people rallying in front of the White mm. House in September because, and we spend our own money doing this because we want you and your kids to have a fighting chance. Um, I do know plenty of families that have gone through um, have gone through this with family members, and at some point you reach the end of your rope and you say, "I don't know what to do to help this kid anymore. I'm, I, I just have to hope for the best." Um, what can you do if, if you're? We're, we're talking again about an adult. Sobriety is absolutely obtainable. Mm-hmm. Um, with Joe, Joe was extremely embarrassed about his addiction. He did everything he was asked. We went to rehabs and sober houses and IOPs and everything in between. He did everything. Unfortunately, he couldn't. He had long uh, stretches of sobriety, but he started yeah. using again. Every situation is different. I couldn't kick Joe out of the house. Mm-hmm. Sometimes you, you got to do that. You got to hit hit rock bottom. I couldn't do that. Like I said, I, I, I on some level knew that he wasn't going to make it out of this. Yeah. But parents that are going through it, I can tell you right now, it is, it is, it, it's the worst feeling because you are trying to save your child 24-7, yeah. all your energy and all your, your mind is on that kid 24-7. Yeah. And, you know, the siblings, uh, unfortunately, are left behind a lot right. of times. Uh, what do you say to parents of younger kids now that you know what you know, um, say your kid's, you know, 
12, 13, 14, 15, they're starting to have more independence. You're not on them every second of every day. What do you look for? The phones. Mm. The phones are, are evil. It's an evil entity. These dealers are stalking and preying upon our kids. They know when they're at a concert venue. They will they will try and get these kids to buy drugs. It, it's it's terrible. I outside the phone and the fact that they can buy these drugs on any of the social media uh, platforms is horrifying. We've got to keep up the conversation. We've got to keep talking about it, talking about programs, and talking about where they can go for help. Lisa Dean, co-founder with your husband and son of the Demand Zero Foundation in honor of your of your son, Joe. Lisa, good talk to you. Thank you. Thank you very much for having me. Appreciate it. And now, some good news with Tanya J. Powers. An Arizona woman who shared her Thanksgiving table several years ago with a stranger she accidentally texted is opening her home this year to two new strangers. Wanda Dench's tradition began in 2016 when she was trying to invite her grandson to Thanksgiving but did not realize he had a new phone number. So instead, she texted Jamal Hinton, who was just 16 at the time. He replied, you're not my grandma. And then he asked if he could still get a plate. She said, yes, that's what grandmas do. And it started a seven-year tradition. Since then, the Dench and Hinton families have shared meals, had cookouts, and even gotten tattoos. A Netflix film inspired by their story is even in the works. This year, Hinton and Dench are partnering with Airbnb to have two guests join them for a meal and overnight stay at Dench's Arizona home. Guests have to make their own travel arrangements. Airbnb is also making a donation to Feeding America, the largest hunger relief organization in the U.S., as part of the promotion. Tanya J. Powers, Fox News. I'm Emily Campagno, and this is the Fox True Crime Podcast, bringing you closer to the story than you ever thought possible. Subscribe at foxnewspodcast.com or wherever you download podcasts. These are the stories that keep you up at night. Subscribe to this podcast at foxnewspodcasts.com. It's time for your Fox News commentary. Jason Rance. What's on your mind? Young Americans are taken to TikTok, telling us they've been inspired, awestruck, by Osama bin Laden's letter to America, written a year after the 9-11 terrorist attacks. These videos are gaining millions of views, and TikTok is struggling to pull them down. Now, I'm sure you were as disgusted by this trend as I was. And maybe you reacted the way Congressman Mike Gallagher on Fox News did. He called them idiots. Well, that's true. But the question shouldn't be, what do we think about these people? Instead, let's ask this question. Why are they inspired by the letter? In that letter, bin Laden justified his violence, effectively arguing that Muslim countries in the Middle East are victims of oppression by occupiers. Of course, it goes after Jews, claiming, quote, the creation and continuation of Israel is one of the greatest crimes, and you are the leaders of its criminals. The letter notes that our tax dollars, quote, fund the planes that bomb us in Afghanistan, the tanks that strike and destroy our homes in Palestine, the armies which occupy our lands. Now, if some of that language sounds familiar, it's because it reads like it was written by some left-wing college professor or a socialist squad member. It levels the same criticism against Israel that we're hearing right now. Bin Laden's worldview is precisely the one that's been pushed onto kids as they made their way through high school. As I write in my new book, What's Killing America? Out now. The indoctrination has been happening for years, 
And it's been happening under the noses of parents who, up until COVID remote learning, didn't realize just how extreme educators have become. After 9-11, this country was united. The same way, by the way, Israel is now united. At the time of the letter's release, it didn't ring true to anyone. It wasn't celebrated. It is now because the messages have been put in front of generations of Americans to believe that hate. It explains why they're so quick to ignore, downplay, or justify murdering babies and raping women or staging headquarters in hospitals. This is the power of propaganda. It demonizes and dehumanizes the perceived enemy. Right now, that enemy is Israel and Jews. But keep something in mind. These schools and radical educators, they view the U.S. through the exact same lens that they view Israel. And that disdain for this country and its institutions already propelled Antifa and BLM radicals to riot on our streets, destroy buildings, beat and kill political adversaries. God forbid we suffer a terrorist attack here at home. If we do, don't expect unity. You'll have an army of voices saying we deserved it as much as Israel deserved the attacks on October 7th. I'm Jason Rantz. You've been listening to the Fox News Rundown. Rundown. To hear the podcast version of this program, go to foxnewspodcasts.com. And for all the latest news, go to foxnews.com. Jason in the House, the Jason Chaffetz Podcast. Dive deeper than the headlines and the party lines as I take on American life, politics, and entertainment. Subscribe now on foxnewspodcast.com or wherever you download podcasts. From the Fox News Podcasts Network. I'm Ben Dominich, Fox News contributor and editor of the Transom.com daily newsletter. And I'm inviting you to join a conversation every week. It's the Ben Dominich Podcast. Subscribe and listen now by going to foxnewspodcasts.com.